Happy Tuesday, everyone. Thank you for listening to the podcast. As always, um, we have a great episode today with Livio from Hippies. Uh, I think you you may have seen their snacks around. They sell them at Starbucks uh, and a bunch of retailers around the country. Very recognizable packaging. Um, we had a great chat. The first 10 or so minutes of the chat have a couple audio pop issues um try to get through it we we end up solving them thankfully um but anyway i put you sort of the show must go on when you're when you're in the middle of an interview um and yeah uh i'm trying to come up with some ways to have this be more of a two-way channel of communication uh maybe like a newsletter or something along those lines talking about consumer trends cool products coming out so if anyone has any thoughts reach out and uh, love you. I had to send a private jet from Illinois to Texas to, to the manufacturing of this piece, different piece that was needed. And then we had to send the jet back overnight. The piece arrived at the factory and we notified Star Wars we were going to be just 24 hours late. Welcome everybody to the Making the Brand podcast. My name is Billy Draper. I work in early stage venture capital. And on this show, we're gonna be talking about brands. We'll talk to founders and leaders of growing consumer companies that are finding ways to stand out, differentiate, and delight their customers. On today's show, we talk to Livio Bisterso, founder of Hippies. He teaches us about the budding vegan snack industry. So today on the show, we are lucky to have a very special guest, uh, Livio Bisterzo, founder of Hippie Snacks. Livio, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Billy. So to start off, just tell us, uh, what is Hippies? Hippies is an uh, uh, organic vegan uh, uh, snack uh, based uh, mainly of chickpea. Uh, we use chickpeas. We uh we extrude chickpea flowers and we bake, bake, bake it into a uh, uh, crunchy puff snacks. And how did you end up in the in the chickpea snack business? I've been an entrepreneur all my life, and I, I was um, I've been in the CPG space for uh, for the last ten years. And in 2014, I was lucky to uh, transition successfully out of a uh, beverage business, and really in. After taking some time off, I, I realized that sort of legume-based, uh, sort of bean-based snacking was going to be a, a mainstream trend. So for me, chickpeas was was sort of that hero ingredient that fit that overarching main trend. Yet um, it, it's 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 an it's 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 a legume that a lot of uh, sort of especially health-conscious consumers have been accustomed to, have been exposed to, whether it's hummus and. So I knew I wasn't going to be the only one sort of lifting the tie with when it came to education and, you know, looking at the nutritional profile and what you could do with it was uh, was really a no brainer. And that's the kind of how the journey began. So how do you go from from this concept of, hey, I want to create something with chickpeas um, to actually executing and actually sort of uh, manufacturing that first product? Yeah. So, um, I mean, Billy, one thing I learned over the last 15 years of being an entrepreneur was so certainly building stories. And really, the, the insight was uh, legume-based snacks. And, you know, I wanted to build something that could scale rapidly 
and I wanted to build something that um, that sort of was a, uh, a a snack for a consumer of the future. You know, I wanted to build something that had a clear sort of appeal to a millennial snacker, and all the trends point in the right direction: frequency of occasion. So I really had a lot of confidence going into it. Um, and, and, and then really I looked at the categories and formats and uh, I, I looked at uh, into a puff snacks category, $2.4 billion of retail in the US uh, a year, 1.8 billion of that 2.4 is is Cheetos. And then there was a really 100 plus was uh, was a kid's, kid's snacking brand called uh, Pirate's Booty and the rest was very much private label. Uh, so I felt that was a pretty, pretty interesting category to 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 work within and and try and disrupt, and that's really how 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 the the process began just just over three years ago now. And then what else were you looking at? Any other sectors besides puff snacks? Were there any other creative things you could potentially do with chickpeas? Yeah, I mean, listen, the the the, the overall, uh, you know, we 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 have we have now built a platform. We built us what we believe is going to be a snacking platform bean-based, legume-based snacking platform. And over the next five years, we will uh, we will deliver and work uh, uh, different formats and different snack formats, whether it's different sort of salty snacks and uh, potentially breakfast products and, and, and so on and so forth. We, we, there's a lot we can do with, uh, with chickpeas and uh, we're very excited about what the future has to come. But in the meantime, we're trying to stay very, very focused on, on disrupting this category over the next sort of 12, 18 months, like I said, the category is, 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 is very large, uh, 2.4 billion. I think we, we're going to reach 5% of that uh, over the next 18 months. And we've got a lot of work to do in, in, in just this specific category alone. So, but yeah, hippies for us, it's, it's a snacking platform. It, it's about chickpeas, about legume-based snacks. It's about really uh, uh, creating a brand that can become a household brand over the next five, 10 years and can, and can, have a have a uh, touch consumers upon many different snacking occasions. And how did you sell your first customer? It's a it's a fun story. Uh, um, it's uh, uh, you know we um, you know we, we looked at Starbucks uh, portfolio. Starbucks was our first customers, and we looked at Starbucks portfolio. Uh, we looked at Starbucks snacking portfolio, food offering, and and uh, Starbucks. Um, really consumer profile and we really felt there was a there was a clear synergy and a clear fit and I remember showing the brand you know I built the brand almost way ahead of building the product and and uh, and I built the brand and I showed the brand to Starbucks in uh, October November or the end of October 2015 and they just loved it they loved the brand the brand was so uh, beautifully crafted and beautifully designed and everything about it was told you know, such a, a compelling story that they fell in love with the proposition and then it came down to for us was the challenge was we actually need to make a product now so we we, uh, we persuaded Starbucks to come along for the ride and believe it or not almost three years later Starbucks is still one of our, our greatest customers how did you how did you get that meeting how did you take the meeting with Starbucks without having a product that they could taste I know it was um, it was a little luck um, I, I, you know, honestly, personal introduction. Having been in the space, uh, managed to get a meeting, uh, and and really just uh, met with the right people, uh, pitched them the idea. The brand was so good there and then, and the product was very very early. I mean, it, it was it was in the shape of a ball, and tasted tasted 
terribly, but uh, they believed in the brand, they believed in the capabilities of us as operators, and they gave us a chance. Well, they're rather, they gave Pease a chance, and uh, and uh, we launched in, in at the end of May 2016. And um, did, so did you have, you had a logo and you have sort of, you had a sort of a brand identity before you had the product? Yeah, we, we had a, we had a very clear story and, and we built our, our brand. Uh, we were trying to sort of create a product and simultaneously build the brand, but the development at that specific time, when we met with Starbucks, the brand was way more advanced to a point that we had this brand book, um, which which was which 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 was so beautiful and 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 the visuals and the creatives and and the story and the category opportunity was so clear that you know the first question Starbucks put to us was how many years have you been in business and frankly we, we didn't quite have a product yet so um, but that was my view but that was my view back then come, having come off several entrepreneurial journeys I would look at the natural food space and. And really felt there was a real opportunity to build big global brands from the get-go and really accelerate that that, that growth curve, um, starting with brands and delivering innovations at the right time. And, and I had the skill sets to build stories and build brands. I wasn't first-time entrepreneur, so um, and a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs in the natural food space tend to sell products. And and uh, for me, I think in a CPG world is 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 as much about brands and stories and narrative. Than it is about uh, about the innovation. So uh, we were lucky, frankly. You know, you need luck in in an entrepreneurial journey, and we were lucky. It was the right time, uh, and um, you know, I will, I'll always be grateful to to Starbucks and their team to to believe uh, believe in us early on because that, what that did give us a, a platform where suddenly we were in almost ten thousand stores all, all appeared in ten thousand stores at once, and you know, almost five million consumers. Walk through the stores every day. We'll see the brand. So we knew that was that was our market fit. That was you know as soon as the product worked in nationally in such a wide uh, distribution uh, set, we, we we knew that was our market fit, and we knew we had to really accelerate our, our growth growth trajectory growth trajectory even more. So that's really how the the journey began. So having having such a huge customer right off the bat is is incredible because like you said it validates your your need for the product it validates that there is potentially going to be a buyer of the product but it also could crush your company how do you how does that deal work do they just turn it on and say hey in 3 months we need this at at 10,000 locations or do they roll it up with you Yeah I mean Billy you're absolutely right you know it was a huge risk uh in terms of uh you know, uh, we had firstly we had a lot of confidence in our proposition. Our value proposition was crystal clear. The brand was was spot on. Our story was was uh, was right. So we had a lot of confidence in that. But yet again, what we didn't know was how are, how are consumers going to uh, accept this this product? Consumers going to know what an organic chickpea puff even means. So there was um, there was a risk from a from an acceptance perspective, and then obviously there was a risk of of you know having to really ramp up uh, and having to you know being able to fund uh, a business relationship with Starbucks, having to to rely on a co-manufacturer being capable of of delivering uh, and, and filling this this ambitious pipeline. Uh, luckily, you know we had we had we had been around the block uh, once or twice, and sort of we knew what funding a company, funding 
working capital and 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 sort of going into high growth mode for for CPG business meant and and uh, listen it wasn't plain sailing but we, somehow we pulled it off. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, how did you come up with the name hippies? It was um, it was um, you know we went back and forth and we somehow wanted to have part of we somehow wanted to have the word chickpeas in, in the name, which was a real challenge being such a hard, uh, hard word. So really peas was, uh, was, uh, was a lot easier. We took that part and then really it was just a matter of brainstorming, brainstorming, brainstorming and throwing a lot of ideas on, on the wall and see, see what will stick. And I'll, I'll never forget the moment I saw the, the, the word hip peas, the word hip above peas. And I actually felt, hold on a minute, if you actually put hip and peas together, it sounds like hippies and and you know millennials are the modern hippies millennials are are coachella goers wanting the world to be a better place expecting private sectors and private companies to do better and i felt there was a there was a tremendous story to 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 leverage uh and and build from and and and, and then we were off and and rewinding a bit to actually creating the product do you so once you have this great idea for for these puffs um, and you want them to be made with chickpeas, how does that how do you turn that into an actual product? Do you go to the co-packer and say, hey, this is generally what I'm thinking. Can you make this in a tasty way or is it a, a many trial and error or is there a food scientist in between? How does that work? All of those. <laughs> there was a, there was a lot of trial and errors. There was a there was a, there was a food scientist involved. There was. There was an innovation company involved. There was a, a fundamentally, really, there was a great co-packer that believed in in me as an operator, believed in me as and believed in the vision and believed in in the capabilities, right? And I think, uh, you know, we we um, we had to move fairly quickly. We had an opportunity to fill a pretty extensive pipeline coming from a fairly large customer. We had to turn in you know to, to create frankly a snack that was never done been done be, never been done before and then we had to flavor it right so i that our co-packer and our team works crazy hours to make sure that those orders that were were, were getting pipeline would eventually get get filled and um yeah it was uh i can only describe it as a Jump, sort of jumping off a cliff and trying to build a plane on the way down type of experience, but uh, somehow when those POs hit, we uh, we managed to uh, we managed to fill them. And how have you uh, how have you funded the business so far? We've raised uh, up to uh, twenty one million so far. So we've had uh, we've had several angels early on. We've had a uh, family office, uh, Mr. Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, we've had an A lister investing. And then uh, Kavu Ventures was um, uh, sort of the Series B who uh, invested 15 million in September uh, last year. So how did you can't just skip by Leonardo DiCaprio? How did that come about? <laughs> uh, to be fair, um, it started with uh, with uh, I think him being a fan of, of of the product, being a vegan, and uh, I think he, he he loved our brand, he loved our product, he loved the our uh, our um, offering and value proposition and our you know vision to uh, try to do some good with this company. So um, that's really where it started. It was genuine. 
and through uh, him and a uh, LA-based family office approached us with an idea of, um, hey, we would like to sort of invest in your business and and really we couldn't say no at that point. So that that was it's very genuine and um, and you know it, it, for us uh, alignment is so crucial and so important with investors, shareholders, stakeholders, employees, everything. You know, we, we are we are on a mission to build something that is is very, very meaningful. And and the fact that it was genuine uh, is what I want what I what I wanted it to be. I didn't want it just to to be an influencer or a marketing deal or an investment. I wanted it to be genuine and, and this certainly was. Did you get to meet him? Yeah. How was it? Cool. Very good. <laughs> Um, so how do you think about the competition? You're up against, you know, the, the, the old world big dogs, the Frito-Lays, uh, the Pepsi-Cos of the world. Um, how do you manage that? Yeah, it's, um, it, you know, Salted Snacks is, uh, is, 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 is a very challenging uh, distribution ecosystem. I think if, if you know, there's, there's one company, well, two, but, you know, really there's one company that, that really uh, as um, as almost as a monopoly on on distribution, especially across some of the uh, with being free to lay, especially uh, one such a control such a strong chunk of the set, especially across mainstream channels of distribution. So it's it's a real battle. It's it's um, you know all, all we can do is uh, stay humble, keep working hard. You know we have about seventy people full time now, and a lot of these people work. Uh, very hard in the field, day in, day out, whether on the sales side, whether as a brand ambassador. We really focus on on awareness and trial, and, and we spend uh, every, every marketing dollar we have in in trying to persuade consumers to try the product and educate consumers. It's it's a it's a, it's, a, it's a big chunk of our marketing budget. We we and, and like I said, we, we we stay humble. We try and win consumers' hearts. We try and win uh, uh, customers' uh, hearts. For us, it's about velocity. So we really need to. Uh, the great thing is we have um, we have a very strong velocity and we have a very strong repeat. So it goes to show that there is a consumer out there that is willing to trade up if the quality and the innovation, the quality of the product is there, the innovation is there, and 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 the brand is there. So it's it's very challenging to benchmark against such such companies, but. Um, like I said, slowly, slowly, we we just keep doing our things, and and um, and so far has been an incredible ride. And how do you think about the split between online marketing, direct to consumer marketing, and then in store? How how does your philosophy sort of shake out? Yeah, I'm, I am. For us, it's a, it's a seventy thirty split where seventy uh, percent of our uh, of our marketing dollars go into um, you know, experiential uh, into demos, into trying to really connect with physically connect with consumers, but um, uh, and everything else sort of goes into uh, commerce and 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 really digital marketing. We are um, the the things will balance out a lot more next year. Uh, we know we're still going through a phase of uh, really uh, educating and consumers that may have not seen the brand yet so there's there's awareness and trials still remain our biggest challenges as we're still such a small business our acv is 
still fairly small. So um, there's so much room to play in this category, so many channels of distribution and so many more consumers that we want to find. And, 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 and so for us, it's still very focused on awareness and trial and making sure that consumers understand what we do and try our product because when they do our 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 conversion to purchase and our repeat and our velocity is crazy high which is ultimately those are the signs that give us the, the real confidence that we're onto something very very special with this company so um that's that's really uh, where we are i mean i am super bullish on food online um i i i uh, i i see it you know 25 percent of our industry will be online by 2025. So I'm super bullish on on building channels of distribution, building channels direct to consumers. I think Amazon has, has, has created an incredible plus for platforms for company like us to scale to a meaningful size and to really reach, uh, reach a lot of, uh, uh, get, get in touch with a lot of consumers. So I, I, I uh, I'm, like I said, I'm very bullish about food online. So I think, and going into next year as our uh, 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 life cycle, sort of our journey uh, uh, adapts from a sort of what I would define as a startup natural food company to a mid-sized food company, given our revenue trajectory, you know, uh, things will balance out a lot more. But 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 over the over the last two years, it's certainly been about awareness and trial for us and trial especially and in store how do you position yourself are you are you near the other uh, salty puff snacks or are you closer to the healthy snacks yeah a bit of both a bit of both frankly uh, it really depends on on channels of distributions but certainly we position ourselves as 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 a, a better for you alternative in the puff snacks um, that's that's sort of where you'll maybe mainly find the brand on in, in store and how did you decide on your price early on? You was that a, a little bit dictated by that first big contract, or was that something you had in mind all along, or did that have to do with the cost of goods? How did you think about pricing in a, in a new category? A, a bit of everything. I mean, for, for me, what was crucial was I wanted to be a mainstream, affordable proposition. I don't want to price myself uh, outside of an opportunity to be in larger, uh, more mainstream channels of distribution. So for us was the, 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 the thinking was always our product is better and is more premium, but we always wanted it to be affordable. So we always try to sort of keep a five to 15% premium on, on conventional snacks. Yet we don't want to price ourselves out of uh, of a, of a, of, a, of, a, of a, an mainstream opportunity. So we always sort of try and be, and obviously you know our, our margins are, uh, you know that 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 takes uh, guts and, and compromise, right? Because um, you know our our proposition is indeed so much better and and is indeed so much more expensive. But you know we 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 believe we want to give mainstream consumers. Uh, a better a better alternative and and price is key still in this category were there any big challenges you faced early on it, it feels like you know starting with a starbucks contract that this was all just sort of a, a an incredible story where where it was all green lights were, were there any uh big challenges you faced in the early days where you sort of thought about 
wow, this is this is much more difficult than I expected. Oh my God, where uh, <laughs> where do I start? <laughs> it, it was still, you know, even if there were seasoned operators behind this business, and you know, even if I'd been in, in business for 15 years prior to starting this company, you know, it's, it was still a boots a, a, a startup, and we still had to uh, do all the things that startups do and uh you know finding co-parkers findings uh, uh third-party logistic companies that could work for us at the right price and and i mean the biggest the biggest challenge uh and it for me i guess in all the startups i've done was finding the right people and and uh i was very very lucky that uh, uh you know i was able to find some incredible people earlier on so um but you know to me hiring hiring talent is always the biggest the biggest challenge when when you start a business because you know it it's 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 so much depends on people that surround you surround yourself with is there any specific moment where something you know whether it was uh the product arriving late or you not being able to pay or you know was there any moment where you felt like oh man i'm holding on i'm holding on by a thread here yeah, I mean, again, a lot of moments like that. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll share one, which is uh, which is early on. Um, so I don't remember exactly the the day when this happened, but uh, I remember Starbucks had sent what tr- twelve truckloads. There were twelve trucks were due to pick up Monday morning. Um, uh, at the co-packer, direct from the co-packer. And I think I remember getting a call. I got off a flight to, to JFK, I get off a flight, I remember getting a call from our head of supply chain going, we're having a problem. And and I was, what's the, what is it? And yeah, you're sitting down, <laughs> just tell me what it is, please. And the um, bagging machine at the co-packing line had a wrong end piece that wouldn't bag our bags. And we had like, we were four days away or three days away from 12 trucks turning up to pick up the first purchase order from Starbucks. So um, <laughs> uh, that was uh, that was uh, that was very entrepreneurial moment where uh, panic panic hit uh, big time. And uh, luckily we, uh, we uh, I mean, we had to send a private jet from, <laughs> this is a crazy story. We had to send a private jet from Illinois to Texas to, to the manufacturing of this piece, different piece that was needed. And then we had to send the jet back overnight. The piece arrived at the factory and we notified Star Wars that we were going to be just 24 hours late uh, on delivering the products, but somehow we made it. That was, uh, <laughs> that, a- was uh, that was pretty make or break right there. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and, and you mentioned that, that sort of the people you hire is probably really helps smooth out a lot of the, the competitive issues and helps smooth out a lot of the challenges that you faced early on. You recently decided to, to replace yourself as, as CEO. How did you think about that? What was the rationale? You know, um, it's, 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 it's very interesting, um, for me to, to, it was very interesting for me to make that decision, uh, because, um, given given the stage the business is at, I really felt that there was someone in my team that was um, 
a much stronger uh, candidate to really be able to take this business from, you know, being an entrepreneurial startup journey to a mid-sized food company. And, you know, I am a, I'm a real brand and vision guy and I love building startups, but I really felt that this tremendous individual, that incredible uh, uh, manager that works, has worked with me now for almost two years, was really the best uh, option we had to, to really keep growing the company at the same pace while managing the business also globally, because uh, we also have a team in the UK uh, that has built the brand in equally as successful momentum and journey. So we, it was really the right thing to do and to allow myself to focus on um, on innovation, keep building this, the value forward story for this company, allow myself to keep doing the, the, the charity work that we with with our charitable partner. And and that was for me the, the right thing to do. So it just felt right. Um, it, there's a lot of founders that may be listening to this that don't agree to, 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 do, to do things like this. But to me, it really felt was right. And, and what's next for hippies? You know, are you going to going to expand beyond the product, uh, the current product offering or, um, you know, a lot of people would speculate that by replacing yourself as CEO, you're, you're positioning it for a sale of some sort. What do you, what do you see for the company in the next couple of years? I, we have so much work to do in the past category. Like I mentioned earlier, I mean, we, we, we're really confident that we can be a hundred plus million dollar business over the next uh, few years. So, um, you know, we, we just, we just need to keep our head down. We really have, we're well, we're well funded. We are, uh, we have a great leadership team, um, fully built leadership team. We have an incredible platform. We have an incredible brand. So the short term sort of big milestones are, uh, you know, let's get to be five to 10% of the category. And, and then the sort of medium long-term vision is let's innovate and, and build a brand that can work across uh, other snacking snacking categories, and uh, we, we we think we can innovate in salted snacks. We think we can innovate in in breakfast breakfast categories. We can th- we think we think with the brand we have, we can innovate across a handful of categories. So so that's that's really uh, what our future has. Uh, what what our future looks like, and um, you know we're very bullish. We, like I said, we're very humble yet very bullish about what we're doing. We're going to keep our head down and keep working very hard. And and what is a what is a piece of advice you would have for an entrepreneur getting into the consumer world today? What's something you wish someone had told you in 2015 or 2016 when, when you were getting um, hippies off the ground? Well, I think you know I've learned to uh, having having done a few of these these. I've been on a few of these startup journeys. I've really helped learn to sort of try and understand and 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 really build a roadmap to value creation uh, as quickly as possible. Even frankly, trying to really understand, uh, you know, how can you get to create value for your business and and uh, and 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 you know especially for first-time entrepreneurs, it's very, very difficult. I mean, I've, I've learned by making mistakes, friends, frankly. But, but having a clarity and a roadmap on, on where I'm going with this and where, how can I create value is, is certainly something that, that I would encourage uh, entrepreneurs to really think very, very hard on. 
you know, don't just find a product that you can sell for, can you can buy for 10 bucks and you can sell it for, for 40 and don't just, don't just do that. Don't, 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 don't just sell product. Don't just, uh, you know, th- think about roadmap to value. And the other th- advice coming from me, especially it's about build, build a story, build, focus on really building brands and focus on building stories. Cause, cause in the world of CPG, uh, in the world of consumer, frankly, I think consumer stories are never going to go away. You know, innovation only take you thus far. That's my view. And if you have the the, the, the clarity on where you're going with the right brand and the right innovation, you get a chance of executing. Okay, now I have some fun questions for you. If, go ahead. If, if you could choose anyone to represent hippies, who would it be and why? Uh, and I guess I'll exclude Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh I don't. Oh, this is a tough question. Um, like you get like a thirty-second Super Bowl commercial, and you have some sort of whether it could be a celebrity, it could be an athlete, it could be a uh, anyone you perceive to be a leader. It could be uh, an someone you know or a friend. Yeah. Or I'll fire with uh, Jessica Bill. Okay. Jessica, avid listener of the podcast. <laughs> I think I think we can make deals here. Um, what's something on your bucket list? Um, I like to meet some uh, fun entrepreneurs. I have a lot of respect for. Like, I like to spend like a day with Elon Musk, for example, and just pick his brain on 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 how how he's. You know, I I think he's a great visionary, and uh, I love to spend some time get to know him. If you weren't building consumer brands, what would you be doing? Uh, maybe a professional golfer. Um, I used to, I wanted to be a professional soccer player when I was when I was young, and then I almost made it. But then, you know, I, I love my sport. I think I think maybe maybe a professional golfer. That you know, those guys have a have a great life. I think like the top ten have a great life. Call it top fifty. Okay, top fifty. <laughs> How, how's how's your golf game? I play a four, so I'm I'm, I'm an okay golfer. I, I wish I had more time, I had more time to play, but I love playing with my kids now. So my kids are really into it. So I, my Saturday morning is really my uh, me and the kids' time because I don't really get to, Monday to Friday. I just don't see them. I'm out of the house at at uh, at uh, five thirty six a.m. going to my office, and I'm and I'm back way before way after they are they go to bed. So my 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 week days uh it, there's no golf at all but saturday morning i've got this beautiful routine with my six-year-old and my nine-year-old and that's golf have you ever hit a hole in one no that might be on that might be a bucket list item as well i'll phone you i'll phone you if he happens this sat- next saturday morning <laughs> okay sounds good um and then lastly do you have anything to plug uh hippies.com where can people buy them uh is there anything else you want to promote this is the time yeah, I, th- I think hippies hippies.com is uh, is is our site. Uh, feel free to uh, reach out to me with any questions. Uh, I, uh, I'm, you can find me at Livio L I V I O at hippies.com. And um, now, thank you, Billy, for having me on this. Thank you so much for coming on. I I truly appreciate it. I'm so excited to see sort of the, the future of hippies and how things go from here. And I wish you all the success. Thank you. All right. See you, Livio. Thanks, Billy. Appreciate it. Take care, bud. All right, you too.
Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Um, to If you haven't already, please rate and subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you choose. Uh, and check out all the episodes on makingthebrand.co uh, to hear some interviews that we have done in the past, and I will continue to update them in the future. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks again, season two. We are off to the races. Love you all.